You'll never believe this. A pastor and a rabbi walk into a podcast to discuss how faith and tradition should inspire but not limit us. Yeah, we talk about stand-up comedy, surfing, religion, family issues, Doritos, hemorrhoids, the bears, and absolutely nothing at all. You'll have so much fun, you'll never believe we're actually religious leaders. So how did you get into how did you get into uh, ministry and and even have a you know what we call a calling but an interest in being a rabbi? Yeah. So the um, it's funny actually the the whole thing started for me. Um, I, I don't I, you know I think there's probably jokes that went around with my parents' friends that they always said like are you going to make your parents you know proud and be a rabbi and like everyone probably said that at some point or another to some kid I was not the kid that that was ever said to to the point at which. When I came to my rabbi that I grew up with to tell him that I was going to rabbinical school, he went, are you sure? <laughs> he said to me. Because <laughs> you, you, sure like you, you were like a skate and surf rat, right? And cracking I was jokes a skate and, rat, surf rat. I was like, my class, in, we had a, a thing uh, where we went and we did Hebrew school. A lot of kids did Hebrew school up until um, their bar and, bar and bat mitzvah. And Very then there was uh, the, a certain segment, right? A certain segment of us that continued on thereafter. Um, to uh to 10th grade and i was one of those who did the 10th grade and the, and what happened was the the culmination of that was that you did you led the shabbat morning services on saturday morning you were like the, the all the students that made it to that point were the leaders of the service for that day um and we were supposed to have the entire year a meeting with the rabbi every whatever what it was tuesday right and after like two or three meetings the rabbi literally was like a student asked an honest question and he was already, I think, upset. And he goes, that's it. I'm out of here. And he left and he never came back. You did it. You broke the rabbi. <laughs> you broke the rabbi. Of all and the most patient came, people he, in the world. His sermon, according to my father, who remembers this, his sermon was like, these are the worst kids we've ever had. Like, and I was part of that. Was my, that was my class. And I was probably ring leading. You know what I mean? That they, are the, they are the next plague. They are, they are worse than locusts and frogs. You heard of COVID-19? Not yet, but they're going to make it look really easy. That's not going to be a problem. So, the, uh, so I was not the guy who was ever going to go to rabbinical school. That's for sure. And then... Um, I, came, I entered college and I started thinking, I started studying philosophy. I really got, I really connected with philosophy. I liked thinking about those sort of heady issues and the big issues. And so that was sort of the start. And then there was a program that you could do um, in the, uh, I, don't, I don't know what it was even called at that time, like the student center. It wasn't the student center, but it was like one of the places where you could go and talk about your future career possibilities. And they had this thing called a focus program where you could sit down at a computer, I'm pretty sure it was a green screen, you know what I mean, with like a flashing eight, eight box. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and yeah you, totally. You had to play Oregon Trail to get, to, to like log in. <laughs> to log in, exactly. And I was like, like three people died on the way to me finding out what my career was going to be. <laughs> That's how old we are, everybody. We were fighting dysentery before we could log in. And there was a loud so, uh, crunching noise. <laughs> If you know what we're talking about, you're old. So welcome to the club. Welcome, welcome to the club. Welcome to the show. So, so we, uh, 
So I sat down I, and I got to this computer and it asked you like a whole slew of questions. And then it said, this is what you're going to be when you grow up. And I had two oh, yeah. things on the top of the list that I remember, right? First one was um, spiritual leader. And oddly enough, the second one was uh, a radio talk show host. Oh, and funny. I did both. Yeah, with I left me. college, you know that. Right? Well, we did that. That was way before I left school. We had our, our own radio show. What did, they, did we call, we called it like random record hour? Was that what it was called? I don't know. I think even, so. I started it. Name for it. I started it because I just wanted to do a radio show, and um, uh, it was the AM version that they just put right. whoever on, and it was like six or seven AM on a Tuesday. And yeah, but not only that. Wait a minute. It also went. You remember this? It went over the like channel two on yep, the on the television. The and so we started. Remember, we started pranking people. So we we so when you came on. <laughs> We so since it was on TV, remember it was a black screen, so you wouldn't see anything, right. but you'd hear the radio. And what we do is tell someone's roommate to turn channel two on without their roommate noticing somehow, and then we'd start talking to them. Do you remember this? And we were on we were on AOL Instant Messenger, and the roommate was pretending to write a paper while telling us what their other roommate that we're pranking was doing. So they're like, oh, they're that's a, amazing. They're, they're wearing two popped collar polo shirts, one blue, one yellow. And we'd be like, this is God. You need to take that second <laughs> polo shirt off. It's unnecessary and douchey. <laughs> you, and, and so they'd be staring at this black screen and half the students didn't even know that that was the radio station because no. it was so much dead air that you'd be switching through your TV to get to the movies or whatever. Right. Right. And you just see this black screen and keep going, and it was dead air for half the day because no one wanted the AM radio station. So they just, well, that was, <laughs> just thought it was God talking to them. That was like we, we we were totally stealing that from real geniuses. You remember when they did that with the braces and yeah. they put the transmitter in the braces? Oh, I love it. But that was so much better because I mean I didn't even remember that AOL Messenger existed when we were in college. I remember I remember being in college. You were a year behind me, right? Um, I think a year. Yeah. I think you were. You, I think I, I graduated in two thousand. When did you graduate? You did not. Two thousand one. Two thousand. No, two thousand two. So two thousand two. So whatever it was, we were we were a little bit of a little bit of distance between us. But when I entered college, I didn't have an email address. And right. when I was in college, I think my second year was when, or first year, we got an email address, and it was like a something at you know uri.edu. And then the second year was when I, it actually had a computer that wasn't green anymore. And I was like, this is really cool. This is going to take over, I think. Like, I had never seen a computer that, this place solitaire? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, but we, the best part about our radio show, I thought, the only thing that I really remember was Random Record, which we had an entire record case lining the back. Oh, yeah, of all the three room. of the four walls, yep. Yep, and we just would pull off a record and just start playing it. And then we'd start scratching it like we were DJing and, and we didn't know what this, we were just, we would just play whatever it was. And I, I also remember um, with that, we would, we would try and um, sing along, but improv, like what the next words were. And then I remember, <laughs> I remember we'd like, we'd like try and make each other laugh by dancing. And I, whenever I was dancing, my priority was making you laugh. My second priority, my delusional priority was people are watching me dance right now. So I have to make it even better, even though we're on the radio. But I believed it. I was so deep in On the that. radio that no one was listening to AM. No one was watching Channel 2, but somebody was watching you, Ralph. Yeah, that's- no, Hold on. Before, God thing. before we go on in your call story, let me also say that that 
was the genesis for us getting on stage uh, yes. for that stand-up comedy yes. because yes, uh, so as we started, we started call. So when, once we started pranking, if you remember, um, word caught on. I think we pranked someone who was a buddy of ours in a fraternity, and so his whole fraternity would tune in the next week. Do you remember this? And they said, "Oh no!" So then we started getting people calling in as pranks and saying, and it was, I mean, some of it was dirty, but we'd start, <laughs> we'd start getting people in on the joke and calling in as pranks. So it became this like, uh, you know, what they'd call viral now, but we'd just, we'd just be hamming it up. And anyway, oh my um, God. and someone said, you guys should do this live. And you said, definitely. And we were talking with um, Jen Durand at the time about trying to figure out how to do a fundraiser that couldn't happen anymore. Do you remember that? Uh, no. There was something that there was some fundraiser that they had done before for for something at URI and they weren't sure they were going to do it again and we said well can we do a comedy show and get uh -huh. and get um, SAA what the group we were in to sponsor it and uh, and and basically that just meant they signed the paper that gave us a free auditorium <laughs> <laughs> can you sponsor the uh, the thing yes in quotes um, wow I do not remember any of that stuff i gotta be honest but it sounds completely possible and totally plausible all right let me make uh, up more of that because no, 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 you wait, owe me ten thousand dollars no, no. as well and that's a fact <laughs> no wait the one thing i do remember the one thing i do remember which was the best prank of all was when you came running in i was working in the student union i used to be the building manager which was like such a ridiculous job and I, I was sitting in the building manager's office and you're going to remember this i know you will I and you either. ran in and you said dial eight six seven five three oh nine do you remember this I, I it sounds like something i would have done but no hold on <laughs> eight six four oh one which is the area code in rhode island eight six seven five three oh nine is a number on the brown campus in one of the dormitories oh and you asked and asked for jenny yeah yeah and I called and this woman answered and I said, is this 8675309? And she goes, yeah. She got pissed, I totally right? despondent. <laughs> right? She was so like, how many? And I was like, oh God, you must have gotten a lot of calls already. <laughs> like, we're not the first person to figure this out. And I was like, and your name isn't Jenny. And then she was like, no. And I was like, okay, we're going to go now. This is really me. <laughs> but it was so, I uh, just had to call. Anyway. So my the so that that was really the, the that focus program that I did was the impetus that was the starting point of me thinking about um, doing rabbinics and I just I started thinking more and more about it and the more I thought about it and honestly at that point the very little that I knew I mean I, I, like I said I was in I was in Hebrew school after school Hebrew school two days a week at least if not three days a week it was first three days then I went down to two days a week for up until tenth grade so. I probably knew more than the average person, but I still knew nothing about actual, what, what I know now, the legal side of Judaism and all sure. the things I learned in rabbinic. Um, but something about, you know, helping people, something about, um, something about uh, the leadership role, which I, I love that sort of description, but something about also like all the things that I like to do, the singing, the sort of, all, the, all the things that sort of seemed like they were part of me already uh -huh. seemed to fit into that. And then as I, as I started actually moving into um, learning more about Judaism it, it, and learning more about rabbinics, it became a totally different thing to me. It became uh, a real way of life. As you, as you know, we've already talked about in the beginning is sort of, 
a way to sort of structure your life. I remember when I was in college, uh, my roommate, Lou, who I know you knew, yep. um, Lou would, would I, I used to say, and he would, I think he said this, I didn't even say this. His big thing was he would like to structure his entire day around meals. Oh, yeah. We would wake up at and like, the scale. Would say like, that's in the scale. He wanted to. Make he'd sure bring this. He'd bring yeah. the scale on surf trips and everything. <laughs> oh my god! But you know now that he, you know that he's a full on like he runs twenty four hour runs. You know that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's isn't he? He's, he's a big time attorney too, right? He's a big time attorney, but he runs these crazy ultra marathons, and and he literally, I think, weighs less than I weighed when I was in college, which is ridiculous because I am not. I am a thin individual even now. And he, I think he's weighs like he, he's just super fit. I mean, it's unbelievable. But Lou used to say when we would like be freshman year, when we were first living together, he would say, okay, so tomorrow we'll wake up at like one and we'll go over and we'll have breakfast at like one or two, you know, something like that. Then we'll have dinner. And everything was structuring his life. And I always thought about him when I thought about, well, this is what Judaism is about, really. Like it's about structuring your entire day around God, right? And so so god is food are you saying god god is food innocent (laughs) if a equals b then b yes that's exactly right okay no it really is a way of structuring your entire day to be focused on it like you said when when you when you sit there and you you're you're taking your prayers to sort of refocus yourself then this is actually the even though our liturgy is extremely fixed and you have very little room for sort of spontaneous prayer within that fixed liturgy the the entire idea is to say to stop you during the day and say, this is, you know, what you, these are the important things that you need to focus on. And that along with the study and the intellectual rigor of study had, had it just became so much more a part of who I was and what I wanted to do and what I wanted to sort of also lead other people towards. And that's how I knew like that. I wasn't part of, you know, what I grew up with more in the liberal movements. And I knew that the thing, the people who centered their lives around that learning and that prayer were the were the was the orthodox movement and that's how i know i was really supposed to be part of it it was a struggle to figure out you know orthodoxy per se but it was that was what i what i did now, what about you i don't know we'll get right. to me later um well, yeah. I, I i'm curious um um you so your family you said you, I, I know you grew up in in as, as a jew your family's jewish but you, they're a more liberal uh brand Correct. So how does that how does that affect your relationship or how your you know did, how, did that affect anything once you transitioned to a more modern orthodox? You know, it was it was an interesting transition because one of the big sticking points for me there were two big sticking points for me about orthodoxy and this is probably a whole nother show in and of itself if you you know if we want to really delve into it but the two big sticking points for me even when I started in the in these more middle roaded of the of the brand right so there's reform and re and reconstruction or the reconstructionists are the liberal movements and there's conservative which is the middle road and there's orthodoxy and there's different brands of orthodoxy as we talked about um the big the big sticking point for me when i first entered sort of rabbinical school and the conservative movement was homosexuality that is a thing that when i first entered there it was not an accepted thing in conservative judaism in any way um if it was in any way it was sort of a grassroots thing and it became through my time there and when i left became much more of an accepted part of the the uh conservative movement um and they sort of embraced the the i don't want to say lifestyle but that's not not, but they embraced people who who were openly gay and, and told them that their lives were you know the way that they lived their lives were completely acceptable 
Um, when I moved and shifted to orthodoxy, those, that was a big sticking point for me. And I wasn't sure how I was going to sort of make, make amends with that. And also the fact that women, um, when you want to give it a sort of bad spin, women are given a sort of second class status when it comes to prayer, leading prayer, leading different things. Um, when it comes to, there's a lot of things which require, um, whether it's getting married um, or converting to Judaism, right? When you need, you need three men to sit on what's called a base scene, which is a religious court, right? And women are not usually allowed to be part of that in the Orthodox movement. So those are real tough points for me. And, and for me also, it was how was my uh, probably mother going to deal with, you know, the fact that I had made that move. And the way I sort of rationalized it to her was I said, just the same way as I was sort of in the conservative movement, leaning very hard right, when I moved into the Orthodox movement, I was going to be in the Orthodox movement, leaning very hard left. And I, and I have been part of many different uh, initiatives and different schools that try to focus and give women much more of a voice. Um, and so that was, that was the way I sort of dealt with the struggles of being another. So that, and, and, and just the mere fact of going home and, you know, so when it comes to say Sabbath observance, um, we don't use electricity. Um, that, you know, we're pretty strict about the food that we eat. Right. So those things became sort of friction points for my family. Um, yeah. but truth be told, we, we, uh, I mean, my parents were already at a point, I'll say that they were willing uh, and, and already keeping a kosher home. So that made it very easy for us. It didn't make it, that, that wasn't as much of a friction point. And, and it always, whenever we're home, there's always something that comes up about Shabbat, right? Yeah. We'll always, my wife and I will be sitting in a room and my mother will always walk in. Right? So there's sort of give you the, the background of this. Not only can I not turn off lights, I can't ask another Jew to turn off lights for me on Shabbat, right? I can't ask another Jew to break Shabbat for me. Even if there's somebody who doesn't keep it, like my mother is not, the electricity is not part of her Shabbat observance, right? So she'll, so she'll always be, we'll be sitting there in the room and my mother will say, do you want me to turn this light on for you? I want me to turn this light off for you. And I, and I always say, I can't answer that question for you. <laughs> I played the fifth. <laughs> That's always the fifth. I, I can't answer that question for you. It's just like, so you want me to turn it off? I said, I can't answer that question, mom. And it's like a stack and forth. Of Why won't you just tell your mother whether you want the light on or not? <laughs> and my, my, my wife always says, the best thing is like, how come we can't just figure this out? Like you're seeing us sitting in the room. Don't you think we want the light on? Like it's not, it's not rocket science. You know, like, but you know, there are always these tensions, but we've sort of navigated them. I think at the very beginning, um, when I was sort of launching into this, I think when my parents didn't know who I was going to be and, and what I was going to do and not do, I think it was very nerve wracking. But I think it's the latest for every parent, right? Like every parent wants their child to be like them. When they're not like them, it's it's a stressful thing for them. So it started out in a stressful place, and we've very much gotten to a place where we can to the point at which, when we go in the summers, when it's not you know coronavirus, and we go to visit in the summers, we will have a um, we'll have a, a like a meal that will what what we will do is we will plan out all the meals, and all the meals will either be cooked at my parents' place or something, so it's in the kosher you know because we'll be staying at a different place that has cooking facilities, but they're not kosher, whatever. We'll cook, we'll get all the stuff that's kosher, and everybody can eat it together. But we will have our Thanksgiving meal in the summer mm. on the Thursday night of the week that we're staying in, in Lake George so that everybody can be a part of that. And it's, and it's to the point that my brother-in-law has bought a turkey fryer. You know what I mean? And he fries yep. the turkey up. Yep. And it's, yep. yeah, it's, I mean, I hadn't heard about this thing before, but it's, I, I give it a big thumbs up. I don't know about you. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway. And he could do that. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. So, so less tension. What, um, so there's, uh, as, as far as I know, um, 613 commandments, right. in the rabbinic law. So what is it like, uh, you're saying you're more orthodox conservative. So you're, you're trying to adhere to more of those than let's say your family of origin, but you're not. Yeah. So, so is it a matter of like how many of those you keep and don't keep or how, or is that, is no, it, no, 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 no. It's so, I mean, again, longer conversation for another time, happy to talk about it more, but the difference between, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you in a joke. You ready? Yes. This is the way it goes. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's going to make as much sense. I'll give you the background and I'll give you the joke. Okay. Reform movement uh, tends to say um, there are a lot, there are, there are many laws out there and we observe that which sort of motivates us in our lives. And so we choose those which motivate us and we don't keep the ones that don't motivate us. That's sort of the bare bones. It's not a great representation of the whole movement, but that's reform. Conservative says, um, will often reinterpret that which was the Jewish law of the time of the Talmud 2,000 years ago, and they'll reinterpret it for modern times in a very sort of, with a lot of wiggle room on how the reinterpretation is being done. And okay. say things like, well, when they were talking about that in the time of the rabbis, it's not even close to what they were talking about now, and it's very different, and they'll make that sort of distinction, and so that doesn't apply anymore. A very sort of broad sweeping. The Orthodox movement says that which is written down by the rabbis, and even the later legal um, decisors that came after the rabbis. So for the last 2000 years, uh-huh. there's very little things that I can look at and just say, that doesn't apply. Anymore. Right? That's not something that we're willing to do. We have to use the sort of chess pieces. That's the best example I was given the chess pieces that are on the board and we can move the chess pieces in any way we want. And we can sort of manipulate the rules that are on the board, but we don't take any pieces off the board. Does that make sense? Interesting. So where so is it makes me curious, um, and I bet people are, are thinking the same thing if they're listening. So where was the balance as you were um, navigating your movement from a, uh, a more liberal Judaism in your, as you were brought up? So as you're transitioning into something more orthodox, how do you decide which um, of those laws and practices you're going to try and influence from inside that? denomination or, or that group whereas which of those are you like no i need to go to a whole different brand i need to i need to go more orthodox and you know sort of leave this uh, family of leave this home and build my own space does that make sense like look because you said yeah, something about influencing the the anti-homosexual culture and um, right but then right. it's like oh but you also left a, a different culture to get there so you're you're owning just a different set of things that are, aren't you know, you're, you're not totally 100% agreed on. I'll say this. I'll say this. The, the transition happened when I, I could sort of see two things. Number one, I could see that I was going to be very lonely in the way I observed Jewish law. That's uh, first and foremost, when I was part of the liberal movement, right? I, I had a conversation with somebody about how many times he prayed a day. And he was on his way to going to be part of rabbinical school. And I said, how many times do you pray a day? And he says, uh, you know two times maybe. And I was like, and we, we all knew, right. If you were in rabbinical school, you were supposed to be praying three times a day. And that was getting more and more unsettling to me that I was sort of doing all these things and there was no one sort of supporting me. And, and I thought, look, if the rabbinical cadre were doing it and the rest of the people weren't, I could deal with that. But even the rabbinical cadre was not doing it. And I felt very alone. That was the first step. The next step um, that, that changed for me was sort of the relationship to 
the, the body of law itself. That if you're going to look at the at Jewish law and pick and choose sort of haphazardly, that's a very hard thing for me to sort of, it was very hard for me to deal with, and it felt disrespectful. If you're going to pick up two issues such as that, whether it be homosexuality, women's inclusion, right, those things, I can completely see an impetus for pushing, pushing the tradition and doing your best to change the tradition when it came to things like that, right? Um, but to say, uh, like, this is one of the experiences that I had. We went to for a Shabbat lunch, right, when you're not supposed to be using electricity, you're not supposed to be, right? And we were in New York, and there was no doorman at, this, at the, the place we were going for lunch. And the, person, there was, the door was locked. We couldn't get into the apartment where we were going. And within a millisecond, another rabbinical student said, eh, this doesn't really matter for me so much, and push the button. And I was like, there was no struggle there. And, and the, the definition of the word Israel, right? Mm -hmm. Do you know this? The, the definition of that word means to wrestle with God. Mm -hmm. There's a big difference between wrestling with these, with these things that you find difficult and sort of just tossing it off and saying, you know, whatever. It doesn't really matter to me. That's, that's where it stuck for me. Yeah. Once I sort of said, I don't see that wrestling here, I needed to find a place that was at least willing to wrestle with these things. Yeah, it, there's also seems to be categories, right, of those uh, rabbinic laws, but also in, in Christianity, like there's certain things that are holy and sacred, but then there's certain things we've turned into laws that seem more like um, social issues and like what's mm -hmm. what's higher, you know, do we do we honor um, that God created all people equal more mm -hmm. or that at a certain time and place, a rabbi or a priest wrote down a law because most people didn't accept black folks or women, you know, you know right? So, right. so we're right. sort of like in, in that category, I mean, the, the Lutheran church, um, we're, we're sort of the, the avant-garde, the, 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 the driving force of um, absolute equality um, because of God's grace. And so we're pushing all these social issues that other more mm -hmm. evangelical or Catholic Churches are saying now we're gonna we're gonna hold on to that one because uh, someone said it a long time back, or it suits us better, and we just don't want to you know feel anything different. So in the social category, I think that yeah. that's one where I often you know try and influence the system as much as I can. Versus sure. you know, well, I think I think that the other thing that we have is and the problems that we face here in orthodoxy is that people will will utilize that exactly what you're talking about, what someone wrote down many years ago to sort of hide their own uh, uh, prejudices, right? And, right. They'll, and they'll say, they'll say somebody said something about homosexuality, right? And say, or not even, don't even, don't even need to say in this, in this world, if a rabbi wrote it, you know, at some point along the way, and it's probably, and this is not a good example, homosexuality is not a great example of somebody who just, because it comes from the Torah, right? That's where we struggle with this in Leviticus, right? So, so, but, but they can say, oh, there's all these things, and clearly this is an abomination. It says it's an abomination. Therefore, I can treat somebody who's gay however I want. That's yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Nowhere does it say that you have to treat anybody disrespectfully. Every, every person, as you said, is created in the image of God. There's no need to treat anybody like that, right? And so whether or not you think that on the law books, this is allowed or that's not allowed, that doesn't mean you don't hug and love the other person that's across from you. That's a totally different thing. And people like sure. to hide behind that. Sure. And our, so in con, not in contrast, but the way that, so we still have law amidst God's gospel. We don't, there aren't laws. There aren't like a number of rules to follow, um, but we utilize the law, like the facts of what God gives us. And we believe God's grace is a law, like the unconditional love of God, no matter what. 
is a law and we follow that, but we have like uses of the law, you know, so one is to sort of curb, um, curb behaviors that don't align with what God's doing. So it's curb, mirror, and uh, guide, right? So to curb or to change your behavior, to be a mirror of God's ideal view of the world, um, and to be a guide to how do you, what, what positive behaviors do you need to uh, emulate that God's sharing with you? So part of what we look at with people isn't how much or how little of these things, but are you honoring the values and the grace that God's given you? Or are you, you know, are you saying, well, it doesn't suit me because, uh, or I don't like it. So I'm just going to throw that one away. Um, right. Is it like, it sounds like you're sort of living up. Are you living up to your potential, the potential that God hopes for you? Yeah. But the potential that's, that's in the mirror one. Like we don't, you don't define your own potential. Like God defines (laughs) and you hold it up to the ideal image and we're never good enough for God's ideal. But the, what we believe is that the love of God, the grace of God inspires us and forgives us and gives us everything before we earned it or deserved it or followed laws, right, to earn mm-hmm. something. And so we should, we want to be better. You know, it's like, um, it's like when, when a, um, you know, when, when you did something wrong as a child and maybe you, maybe a parent was like, it's okay, like, don't worry about it. You, you almost wanted right. to not do it again more than if you got spanked or, Wow, whatever the punishment was. So it's 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 interesting how we're sort of uh, navigating the same you know movements in different categories and um, have law, sure. but just in different. Uh, like I think in yours, it's a lot of hard fast, and it's I, I'm I'm. So what's interesting, the hard fast, but you have to imagine like all the things that you're talking about. That is what the hard fast law is about. The hard yeah. fast law is actually supposed to be you emulating God and trying to be as godly as you can possibly be. The way that we feel like you get there is by, is by observing the law. The yes. closest you can get to being the God, man, which yeah. is your goal in life, is through the law. Yeah. So, okay, so back to comedy for a minute. Have you ever read um, The Year of Living Biblically by, I think it's Jacobs, A.J. Jacobs. Have you read this? No. So it's a, a Jew living in New York, and he says he, he's sort of um, wrestling with kind of what you were wrestling with, like he's, right. uh, uh, this transition and what's what's true about Judaism, what's not true for him. And so isn't he decides... He, if I'm not mistaken, isn't he going in the other direction? No. So, so he, what he does, it's sort of like a social experiment. He says, for one year, I'm going to follow all 613 laws okay. in some way. And um, did he point out the fact that 613, a lot of them can't be kept because we don't have a temple? Did he tell you, did he mention that? Fact? Yeah. So, so I think right. a, a lot of them chapter. are like, are, are like offerings in the temple and the temple doesn't exist. So we're off the hook for like a bunch of them. Keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, so, so yes, Grant. Yeah. So he's personally, you're right. Going in the more liberal sense, but he's being told by these rabbis that he's seeking out, you know, how to, how to um, keep kosher and honor Shabbat and, and he's like, I can't do all these rules and hold the job in New York City. And like, how am I going to get to work without taking a taxi on Saturday? So right. he does it and he documents it really well. And it's all these instances, like you said, like it's impossible. He finds like contradictions within it. Like he's like, I can't do this. One of the one of the best stories is he's in Central Park. And I forget what happens, but some guy maybe who's uh, a little off his rocker says something to him. And one of the laws is like, you're, you have to stone someone who does this. So in the middle of Central Park, it's busy. There's people everywhere. Someone yells at him or something happens to him. He's like, 
well, crap, I got to throw a, throw a rock at this guy now. <laughs> and so he, he picks up a rock in the middle of Central Park and he whips it at this guy. And then he has to sprint, you know, through the park. And it's just this, like, this, this, this. Like, oh, God. Uh, it's sort well, of I like. Wanna, I want to, I want to, I want to sort of put it out there for anybody. This is, I would love to read this book. This sounds like he, he what he Let me did. find it. Intentionally um, playing off of all these things in order to make it for a comedic value. But what's amazing is that we're not biblical Jews, we're rabbinic Jews, right? That, that's, that's what we are, right? Karite, tradition, yeah. These are, these, are, these are a group of people who follow the biblical law as it, without any interpretation from the rabbis. Now, what's great is the, the interpretations of the rabbis lead to some bad things, but they also lead to some good things, a.k.a. you don't have to stone anybody, right? That's all been sort of taken care of in rabbinical, in rabbinic law, so to speak. Yeah. Um, there's very few things that end up with that. So when somebody tells me that they feel like they're sort of torn or whether or not they have to throw a rock at someone, I always say, it's okay. You don't have to throw a rock at it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's obviously not a strict Orthodox Jew. He's obviously like more liberal and kind of poking at the system and saying, okay, like I, right. he, he appreciates the, the spirituality and the religion of it. But it reminds me of uh, my, some of my favorite scenes from Life of Brian. Right. Yeah. If, you, if you're somebody who knows biblical stories and knows biblical law, Life of Brian is one of the most genius movies you could ever watch. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and and like, you know, the whole stoning and are there any women here? Like all those things. Yeah. Are just You don't. I don't think I, I, when I, I think when I first saw it, I didn't get that. And then I started learning. And as I started learning, I was like, that's probably one of the funniest things I've ever seen. A bunch of women wearing, you know. Beard. Yeah. That's amazing. Because they have to, yeah. The other, the, my favorite quote is when the, he's he's speaking from, Brian's speaking from the uh, the top of the staircase. He says, you're all individuals. And they go, yes, we're all individuals, all in unison. <laughs> and then the one guy is like, I'm not. It was like the, the greatest, like, <laughs> oh my God. And, and sense of like idiocy amidst the crowd. Hey, what yeah. are you, let's, um, it's been about an hour. So, so let's wrap up in a minute just for the sake of, of length and then we'll do more. Yeah, sure. Another. What are you, um, what are you listening to watching? Um, what's, you know, what's funny, what's interesting. What are you keeping up with these days? Um, as far as, you know, the truth is I'm, I have not found anything except what you sent me the other night, which I absolutely almost fell out of the bed laughing at. The, the what's it called? Uh, Smartless. Smartless. Yeah, it's a podcast. For those who haven't seen it, it's a podcast um, with Sean Hayes, Jason Bateman, and Kevin Arnett uh, hosting. And one of them brings a mystery guest for the other two every week, and and they just surprise them and then they go into it. But the what? what why did you like it so much? I liked it because I have yet to see, or I I feel like I rarely see. But the show is not about the guest. That's no, the best part. No. The show is not about the guests. The show, the show is about the three of them able to improv and play off of each other better than I've seen in a long time. Like, I feel like a lot of people, the, the fast wit and the, and the ability to sort of cut at each other like that is all lost now because of the whole COVID thing. And they're not sitting together. And these yeah, guys yeah, were yeah. so fast that they were just, I mean, it was like, oh my God, how did they get? Like, and, and, you, and you don't get a, a relationship like that without like, really working together you know what i mean like that's real improv you know what i mean yeah. and you could tell they love each other you can also um tell that they're not like they're all very hollywood uh, personas 
but they don't buy into the Hollywood BS of like kissing each other's butts. And, and they're yeah. like, they're like, not, the, not definitely not the person they brought on. That's for sure. They're taking deep cuts at each other and making fun of like Jason's uh, upbringing as a child star and not knowing his children now because he works too hard. <laughs> and it's great because you, you like, you see people go on these talk, these, you know, talk shows evening and daytime. And right. they're, they're, it's all these like light pandering topics and, and they're just, and they're so, yeah, they're so funny. Um, it was great. Which one did I send um, you? Did I send you Will Ferrell or? Uh, yeah, you sent me Will Ferrell, which, and I haven't gotten to my uh, Rudolph. Maya Rudolph, yeah, that um, one's good. That, uh, I mean, look, as far as things that I had been watching for a while, I mean, I was, I was on SNL for a long while, and I think that they had been doing a decent job up until they had to do it virtual. It's really hard to do things in the yeah. virtual sphere. It's very hard. Things just, I mean, just the mere fact that you don't have an audience laughing, and, you know, there's so many things that are missed there. Um, it's very hard. It, it was hard to watch. Um, but, um, I mean, at, at the moment I, I'm into, I, I've been watching and listening a little bit more to political, um, political commentary and trying to sort of be up to speed on that. Um, and, uh, and, and I find that the, the, I find myself more in the conservative camp. It probably has a lot to do with Israel and other things. But I find that also in the conservative camp, they they take themselves less seriously. They they're willing to laugh about a lot of things. Where that's I feel the opposite like opposite of the political go- world. I know, and well, I, that's the thing. I've gone to the democratic, you know, to the more liberal political, genre, you know, genre thing. I don't, I haven't found anything funny. I just, I was like, wow, okay, that that really, there was nothing really funny going on there. Um, but you know, I'll keep, I'll keep looking. What about you? What are you listening to? Anything that you've, uh, other than smart lists that you've uh, been motivated by? Smartless has been awesome. I, I've been binging that. Um, and then the yeah, other, the other one, um, the other podcast I've been listening to for years is uh, Pete Holmes. You know Pete Holmes? Um, yes. I I recently I've sort of seen his stuff. I saw his stand up. I thought his stand up was really good. And then I recently fell into his. Um, uh, I don't know what to call it. His bureaucratic take on Street Fighter. Oh yeah, yeah. He and does those his, those oh interviews. My- he, God, he's, he's an he's HR. HR that's what, what he is for the Street Fighter characters. Um, but yeah, Pete, Pete Holmes has this great podcast, and he he bridges the divide. He he, he integrates like comedy, but also um, mindfulness and self awareness wow. and spirituality in this amazing way. He's a recovering evangelical, so super conservative Christian. Um, wow! And um, he he now has like kind of a he, he considers it like he's woke and, and enlightened in a way that that, that was helpful oh. for a time, but much better now. So he he incorporates that and he asks these like big name guests about what they believe without making them feel like, you know, sometimes they're like, so what do you what do you think about God in heaven? And you're immediately assuming right. someone has God in heaven in their vernacular and, and puts them right. off where he's just like, what do you think about the afterlife? Or what do you think? What do you think? Happened? Oh, that's good. So but um he's been great and uh and he's so he's so sort of playful that they probably can get away with stuff like that he doesn't feel like he's attacking yeah somebody. yeah he's a big silly boy yeah yeah he's like um he's, have you listened to mike birbiglia's oh all the time i i have him on have you listened to his podcast uh a couple of them i, I liked uh judd apatow when he when they sort of like i thought judd apatow was okay i the best i've seen him do as of yet and i haven't i think i've listened to almost all of them because it, it gets infused with a lot of liberal stuff. And I'm like, all right, whatever. And I don't find any of it really, really funny. That part, I mean, the political part. But he, he recently did, um, 
Jimmy uh, Jimmy Kimmel, and they've oh, known yeah, each yeah. other forever. Right? I did listen and to that one. It was amazing. I mean, yeah. I've never. I don't think I've ever heard Jimmy Kimmel that funny. Period. End of discussion. <laughs> I, I don't. I mean, probably since let's put it this way. Probably since the Man Show. I mean, the Man Show is very funny. You know what I mean? And but this, like his stuff now, he's he's sort of like you know throwing up the softballs, doing the interviews. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he's cute. But this was like the two of them just went off. They went. Do you remember that segment on pizza? Yeah, yeah, where like he that, wrote a bad review of a pizza of a of a Domino's <laughs> pizza in, in New York. <laughs> he had a Yelp personality and wrote this horrible review. And he, but the, but they were like, you live in Brooklyn and you you this is what you order Domino's like yeah. that was just that was like real eat real pizza eat, 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 eat <laughs> real good. pizza that was amazing that was good um, yeah. So All right. Are, well, cool, buddy. Things. Sounds good. So on the count of three, we're both going to say what we think the name of the show, what, what, what we decided on this name of the show should be. Okay. Okay. One, two, three. Don't wet your pants. You're never going to believe that. Exactly. Oh, I, I think thought we were, <laughs> thought we were in agreement here. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully there are many, many more. Uh, Jamie, appreciate you. Love you. And we'll talk next week. I love you.